Um, okay, hello everybody. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. We are gonna spend an hour or so talking about uh, what projects we worked on last year. So it's a year in review, 2020. I know most of us are ready for this year to be over, but uh, anyway, we did do it. We did do quite a lot last year, and I've got. Uh, I can see the chat window here, so if anybody has any questions about anything at all, please ask. While we are looking at a little retrospect here of 2020, so here we go. Uh, January, January 2020. We had interns that month. I remember kind of a, a small group because it was pretty cold here. But this is the project um, that we were working on in January. This is a masonry roof, a vaulted uh, simple survival uh, for a client named Dustin. And uh, Mike, and uh, a few of who uh, were sort of considered Mike's crew at the time, they got the uh, sort of the vault done and started the framing on the greenhouse. And then I came in uh, December and January and a uh, little bit of February with a small crew and the interns. And we uh, finished the enclosure of the building so what that meant was we actually installed all the windows. Um, and uh, put on mullion caps, metal mullion caps up here on the sloped part with a wood cap running across the very top and then wood mullion caps on the vertical. Uh, insulated and plastered the tire stem wall, got it, made a door and hung it. And then we started to focus on the interior um, plastering the walls. Here's some of the interns throwing on some uh, some adobe plaster, right? Um, two parts sand, one part clay. They're using a, a nice straight board here to try to uh, get rid of all the dips and curves that you are left with uh, on a tire wall. So trying to flatten these walls with scratch code adobe. Um, the client wanted us to uh, wanted uh, concrete slabs and so which we formed with uh, two by ripped to about two and three quarters porcupine to create our control joints and our form boards uh, remesh six by six remesh on top of uh, undisturbed or compacted earth and then we poured about a three three to four inch slab lifting the remesh into it as we poured uh, troweling it and then staining it. And this one we stained with uh, copper sulfate. And we did the technique where we, we puddle it on pretty heavily and then leave it overnight and then wipe it the next morning. And this gives us sort of these blue-green aquamarine sort of hues. Um, we built a small kitchen right inside. So this is, you know, this is kind of a studio space Everything is in the one space uh, behind this second greenhouse. So, you know, floor plan is that we have this vaulted space. Oh, it's 14 east-west and 
2021 or south. And so all most all the uh, living is happening in this space. In the outer greenhouse, of course, we have uh, gray water planner. And then in this one, we have the shower and toilet all on one side. And then on the other side, the greenhouse is systems. And then there's even a door to the east side that would allow someone to add on to the building. Uh, so here you can see a very small kitchen with actually a, just a stainless steel uh, salad bowl as the sink. Uh, uh, and then uh, we, we decided, and uh, as per this client request, uh, they wanted a loft space, <clears throat> which turned out pretty cool. So we did a sleeping loft in the back of the, of the U and then uh, four steps going down to sort of the living area uh, under the loft. And so this is where you'd have a couch uh, and hangout space. We built some shelving here up against the, the cliff that drops you down in. This could be for books or entertainment system or whatever. Um, so it was, a, it was a very good use of what is a fairly uh, tight space. Um, here's a look in the bathroom, a little hard to tell, but this is behind the outer greenhouse. <clears throat> and this is a little corner countertop where we'll have another small little sink here and the drain supply lines coming to it, which you can't see. And we also stain the floors the same. And we also stain the plaster with that same um, uh, copper sulfate solution. Uh, bottle wall, bottle brick wall finished with uh, sort of an antique or off-white uh, grout. And here you can see the other side and there's the door going in, into the bathroom, uh, nice bottle work, our typical homemade door, a little arched top. Uh, the bottle wall just goes up to the bottom of the trusses, which are what support the greenhouse roof. <clears throat> and here you can see, we just did stain this with the copper sulfate and we have plastic covering up all our wood mullion caps for the inner greenhouse. We have flagstone. I believe we laid this flagstone in concrete and then peppered in some uh, bottle caps into the grout. Uh, we actually did finish plaster on this vault, which can be is actually is pretty challenging and we don't often do it, but in this case, we did do finish hard trialed adobe on the vault and uh, as well as the walls. And uh, here's a little video. I wonder if I can, or how I, how I play this video. Yeah. Uh, hey, Lauren. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta get some. Uh, some tech support here. Did you click on that? Did it go to the? Oh. Um, space. I tried that. Because you don't have right and left click on. Okay, maybe I can't play a little video. <laughs> it was just to show uh, show everybody how we how we unless we escape it and then we maybe can. Play it. Is a video? Oh, it is a video, but maybe I didn't. I just copied and pasted match style. So mm. maybe I can't. 
Sorry, Phil. Okay, well, I guess I don't know how to <laughs> put videos on this, but anyway, there we are, Gunner and I, uh, hard troweling the plaster. Um, uh, we just put it on very thin, and and then you let it set a little bit, and then you use a spray bottle, and you wet it, and then you just uh, work up cream, and that's how you do finished plaster. I have a, a question here, which is great from Michael. If you don't do finished plaster Adobe, what do you use? Uh, very good question. Um, well, uh, on the on the vault space, we have used a lot of different stuff. Um, and, and Adobe's fine is just a little hard to do the, the finished troweling, which this picture is showing overhead, um, which we did do in this space. But sometimes we'll use actually a drywall compound because it's it is uh, so sticky and easy to plaster. You know, you're literally plastering overhead. So uh, we, we just did that in, in one of the vaults here um, near our new classroom. Uh, also, but also you can use, you know, other types of plaster. If you didn't want to use Adobe or didn't have access to Adobe, you could use uh, cement plaster, which is tricky to use overhead. And often I'll add um, some lime to that to make it more sticky. And you can also use just straight up lime plaster, uh, two parts lime to, uh, I'm sorry, two parts uh, sand to one part lime. It's a stickier plaster, a little easier to use overhead. Uh, also, there's the option to use a gypsum plaster, which, which you can buy pre-made. And gypsum plaster is very sticky. It's, it's almost like whipped cream and that you can apply overhead. So you got a lot of different options uh, for finish. Thanks for that question, uh, Michael. All right, so looking out from under the loft, you know, here now you can see the finished adobe and the finished adobe in the vault. Uh, so we were very close. This is probably one of the one of the last days that I was there. Uh, electrical is all, you know, roughed in and finished around. Plumbing is all roughed in. So basically, leaving this place at the end of the at the end of January, um, ready for the plumbers and electricians to come in and do what they call trim out or put in all the fixtures uh, and then ready for, you know, little bits of finishes that, that the client may want to do on their own. So, uh, so that was January, moving on to February. And we were there for you know, a week and a half or so in February as well. Uh, and then in February, we went back to our project in, uh, in Puerto Rico and that was phase five. And, and on the western side of Puerto Rico, uh, outside of uh, Aguada, um, this was the advertisement uh, for phase five. And uh, hi, Deb. <laughs> Welcome to the webinar. Uh, so uh, this was February 18th to March 2nd. And this is, this is a combined effort between Earthship Biotexture and our nonprofit, uh, Biotexture Planet Earth, and uh, local uh, nonprofit and farm, uh, the Taina Soy Apiario. Uh, so, walking in here for the fifth time, uh, this is where Mike, Michael Reynolds, came with us for a week of this one. It was a two week effort, and he got to stay in one of the huts. We call this, this is a hut design, circular shape of tires with a plaster dome on top uh, in response. Uh, too often we have uh, hurricanes and now earthquakes in this region. So this is a very stable shape uh, in response 
to the potential for hurricanes and earthquakes. And this is one of the finished spaces where Mike could uh, sleep, play guitar, do work, and then during the day work with the crew. Um, and so what we pushed for on this phase was we had uh, this, the last hut, which is hut five. Um, we needed to get the roof on that thing. So we're still working on a lot of exterior stuff at this point on these buildings, uh, as well as we got the floors in um, hut, hut uh, four and five. So doing interior work uh, as well. And always uh, make uh, upping and uh, doing elaborating on the systems. Uh, Mike also took uh, his small team and we started to do, you see how this is all dirt out here in between the huts. Well, he began doing formed in place concrete pavers, which helped channel water. And you can see over here, start stepping us down and giving us a hard, not muddy surface uh, in this interior courtyard area. Uh, there, there you can see uh, that was at the end of the phase, but this is the, the, the steps made out of bottles and all the little pavers and gravel in between, giving us a nice clean area to walk outside, but also effectively draining water. Uh, we, we did, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, a small army on this thing. Here's uh, Ralphie and a volunteer uh, working on getting all the cooling tubes in. We, we had uh, the tubes there on site, but we hadn't got all of them in place in all the, in all the separate buildings. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me, getting the cooling tubes in uh, and buried, uh, getting all these pavers in. This is on hut five, actually doing some, uh, some tune-up. We had had some settlement and cracking and a few of the bottle bricks broke and stuff, which, which you know, does happen, not super common, but did happen here. And this site, there's a lot of clay and so kind of unstable. And then again, this is Derek uh, on our local team there, uh, lives in, in Puerto Rico. And also then we moved and got this roof uh, pretty much captured and catching water, but not absolutely finished. Uh, Lou came on this and we expanded our, uh, our uh, contained sewage treatment system. And so we added a cell down low, a big U-shaped cell. This is basically the end of the line and all the water is coming to the planters in between uh, the huts and then coming down to the bottom here. And then this is where it's recirced back up to the beginning as well as pumped uh, to the toilets. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay, thank you and, uh, and greetings to you, Evelyn, in, in Germany. Thanks for checking us out this evening, for you, I guess, this evening. <laughs> uh, nice to hear from you, thank you. Um, we uh, evolved and expanded and we moved a lot of systems around in this phase because in the beginning, because of budget, we had bunched them all up in one space. And then finally we, we had raised enough money, which each time, each phase we raise you know, 20 to 40 grand, go and spend every penny and then come back home and start over, start fundraising again. Uh, so this, this one, Lou got a chance to, we, we split our water and power into two separate closets. And so created a new power, uh, sorry, water spot for our water organizing module and small pressure tank. And there's our little DC pump and all the supply lines going up out. And this thing actually still needs expansion on the phase that, on the, the final phase that we're going to, uh, again, this February, 
Here's a project from above. Uh, we also sealed the roofs in this phase. Uh, these are masonry roofs that then we would use a couple different kinds of masonry sealers. Um, so we got a little bit more on that. Derek took care of that for us. Um, <clears throat> looking, let's see, this is from the roof of hut three, uh, no, hut four. Uh, looking down into the covered courtyard area. Uh, here, I remember on this phase, we were definitely, we hadn't ever had hut one, half of that roof never drained. So here we are building sort of a little uh, can uh, kind of aqueduct arch thing to bring water from hut one over to the roof of hut five and then going into a tank behind it. Uh, also working on a second shower and toilet room. And so there it is, there's uh, the hut coming up and here you can see the roof of hut five is still incomplete. Uh, plastering, getting remesh on there. This is sort of the end, towards the end of the phase, trying to get it so we can leave it uh, catching water and it'll, until we get back next time. Here they're working on uh, the can uh, cylinder that helps to, um, as it acts as a chimney to bring hot air up and out of the buildings. And then that is replacing with cool air coming through the buried cooling tubes. And there is one of the buried cooling tubes from the back, a little very nicely done by volunteer bottle work retaining wall. And so air passes through this, cools, and then enters the building. We haven't got a screen on it or anything yet. So this is the back of hut four. There's a window. And then over here is one of the cisterns sitting on three courses of tires, uh, wrapped in can work. And it is ready to catch water uh, from uh, hut four here. Another tank over here, still trying to get it together in this shot on that one. And, and right at the end, barely getting the roof together and, and yes, succeeding in catching water into that tank. Uh, so there's a nice shot of both tanks and uh, cooling tubes buried and ready to go. So you can see how much, uh, how much garbage these things are just eating up. I mean, look at this plastic bottle wall. And then inside that bottle wall is single-use crushed plastic insulation that insulates the mass of the tires. Uh, um, uh, Evelyn, no, we have not done a project in, in Israel, but we have had uh, Israeli students several over the, over the years, over the decades. And, um, and we would love to do a project in Israel. So if you anybody could email me after this about anything, projects or questions or how to get involved or anything like that, my email is phil, P-H-I-L, at earthship.com. So any kind of questions or potential projects, or even if you just want to say hello, uh, hit me with an email after the webinar. Thank you. Uh, all right. So I guess this is close to how we left it. It's looking... Um, looking pretty good and uh, and boy it's such a such a great project and just I mean just just a piece of sculpture that we've got going on in Aguada. Uh, on a side note you know we were always talking about uh, education and, uh, and 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 spreading the word you know especially to the youth and, and this group came and did a small short presentation um, to me uh, about how they wanted to design and build an earthship school. Of course, a lot of the schools, especially in the southern part of Puerto Rico, parents don't want to send their kids there 
because of the earthquakes, these schools are not are not safe, you know, and they're they're worried about the school collapsing on their kids while they're there, which which is a very very real possibility. So a lot of kids have been taken out of school, and this was, a, and then they get involved in these clubs, and this is like a was a robotic club actually that then um, learned heard about earthships not from us do it doing their own research, saw it online, realized there was one right up the road, came and visited because this place functions as a community center for education about sustainable practices, farming, earthship construction, things like that. They took a Saturday tour, you know, where, where our, you know, our crew is not there giving it. The, the owners of the farm, Carlos, Noemi, and uh, Ralphie and Derek, they're all involved on these Saturday tours. And they took a tour, then they went back and they did a project and they designed their own earthship school. And I just, they did the presentation and I, I tell you, it brought a tear to my eye really because I was just so impressed to how, how they were educated without us, basically. They were learning from what the example we had left and the training we had given locals. And then that was passed on to these kids and, and then, you know, they did this project and I just love that, this sort of indirect transfer of knowledge that doesn't involve, you know, me or, or our core staff. I just think that is just shows a real success um, of the project. Uh, okay, I got a question here and thank you for these questions. Cynthia, didn't catch, uh, you mentioned the dome was good for earthquake resilience. Can multi-room homes, not dome shaped, be built that are good in earthquake country. Well, yes, I mean, we do stick though to that round dome shape. If we're in a seismic zone, I mean, that is the most resilient shape. Uh, but you can link these circles together in, in a lot of different ways. And it just depends on your climate. Um, you know, we can link them together and put a greenhouse in front of them. We just, we did that just oh, a year and a half, two years ago in Japan, where they have a lot of earthquakes. Um, but we, we generally, if, if we know we're in a seismic zone, we, we use these circular shapes, but there's a lot of different ways to configure them and to lay them out. And it really depends on climate. So very, very good question. Thank you, Cynthia. <clears throat> okay, so onward, March. So, <clears throat> excuse me, as we know, March uh, was when, mid-March was when uh, COVID situation got very serious and very real here in the United States. Uh, we got back from Puerto Rico on the 3rd or 4th of March and jumped right back into uh, doing a field study where we had 30 to 40 people um, signed up. Rory and team started it because we were still in Puerto Rico and Rory got the tire pounding rolling with a, just a great group of volunteers. So these people, a lot of them are academy students um, doing their field study credit, which is uh, after you do the Earthship Academy, then the second part is that you do a four week field study, like a ground up intensive build. And then you go on to do your own project and then you graduate. So a lot of these people are getting their field study requirement taken care of. Also, a lot of people have just never been involved in uh, Earthships at all, and, and they just heard about it and sign up for a one month intense build. Uh, so, uh, pounding tires, and this is an encounter build, and this one was E2, the second encounter that the company had built. The encounter is sort of a budget model with everything we've learned 
you know, how can we build these things, you know, with, uh, with not $500,000 or whatever it takes to build a global model. Um, so these are two bedroom, um, south sloping roof, metal roof, uh, wooden roof structure, uh, no roof penetrations, uh, which is one way to, to make it uh, more affordable, uh, but still performing up near, you know, the global model, maybe 80% of the global, global model performance, uh, all the same similar systems, you know, everything's sized down a little bit. Um, so here we are after one week, you know, uh, and this is what you can do with it with a big team. Uh, okay, here we have a question, cost per square foot for the encounter. Uh, well, <clears throat> cost per square foot for the encounter, I think uh, we're, we're thinking if we were to build it uh, for you, it's in the neighborhood of $180 a square foot where the global model is more like 235, 240. Now, material prices are just jumping at the moment. I think it's just because of supply chain <clears throat> and COVID. So, uh, you know, those, those prices might be a little bit antique. Um, I think if you were to do it, you know, uh, yourself, if we're not doing it for you, you know, you might be able to drop that cost even a little bit uh, further potentially just with all your own labor and everything. But yeah, $180 a square foot if we're going to finish one for you. Good question. Uh, oh, I have a quick question here about the academy. Um, yes, when you graduate the academy, um, you receive, you know, a certificate that says you graduated from the academy um, is it an official acknowledged degree. Um, we do have a relationship with a university in Colorado, um, uh, but, you know, I don't know that this is a, an official officially recognized degree by, by uh, MIT or something like that. No, um, it is officially recognized by the Earthship community, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, good question though. Thank you, Evelyn. Uh, so here we are a week into it. You can see tires are pounded, cisterns are set, thermal wrap is up. Uh, you can see evidence that we are setting our door boxes for the interior greenhouse. And then there is our interior greenhouse. Uh, in the encounter, we set those on a course of tires actually, as opposed to in the global model, we have a concrete footing. So we pound a course of tires, we do these little concrete plugs and put a plate on and set our door boxes on that. And then we pour a small uh, eight by eight stem wall with anchor bolts that we then plate and add our window boxes on top of that. Uh, you can see inside we have the interior footings are being uh, dug. Um, up top here, we haven't done it yet, but we have, uh, looks like we have a layer of plastic down and we're ready to put on, in this case, uh, two layers of two by 12. And that uh, becomes what is essentially the bond beam. The encounter is way less concrete intensive than the global model. We don't have a concrete bond beam. We don't have a concrete uh, footing. Uh, we are moving away from, from so much concrete in these models. Uh, this big hole out here is the gray water planter, and then you can see the edge of the stem wall. Uh, so here we are putting on, we've just gotten all the trusses on. And we make these trusses on site. So the students made these trusses. Um, they're just made out of 
two by fours, basically a little bit of two by eight there on the end, but it's a two by four truss build on site, quite simple, lots of hammering. Uh, so we build all the trusses and then there you can see the two by 12 plate wrapping around on the east side tire wall with that double two by two by 12 plate goes all the way around the whole building and the trusses sit on that and on this glue lamb that is on top of the window boxes. Uh, then out here scaffolding up to build the exterior vertical greenhouse. And then we'll put two by 12 rafters that go the, in this case, we actually let them grab onto the side of the trusses and then fly out and sit on this two by six glue lamb that's on top of the exterior vertical greenhouse. Uh, look at the trusses from underneath. Uh, you can see we also have, it's a little hard to see, we also do a row of X bracing down the middle of, of the trusses, just inch and a half by inch and a half that we put in X and that helps to uh, stabilize the trusses east-west. Uh, here we have our interior wall. There's some cans coming up off of a footing that's poured there. Um, and there we are from the exterior, uh, still ready for our two by 12 uh, joists that are gonna go over the greenhouse area. Uh, throwing on the five eighths inch uh, CDX plywood deck right on top of the trusses and then there are little clips that support the plywood in between the trusses. Uh, and then it's ready for felt and insulation and roofing. And there it is. And this is a good shot. It shows the plywood deck uh, with our H clips. And we gun nail this on with eight penny nails or they're like two and a half inch long nails. Then we have kind of a cutaway shot. Then we have our uh, 30 pound roof felt that we shingle up. And you know, that's, that's just a, a vapor barrier, keeping any moisture from, from coming up from underneath. And then we have uh, two inches of rigid insulation. We have a rough sawn one by four purlin on top of that. And then we infill in between the purlins with one inch rigid insulation. So we have three inches of polyiso on top of the roof and then underneath we fill the whole truss cavity with blown cellulose insulation and we've got at least an R80 roof on these things uh, which is over double what code requires and then we put our metal roofing uh, and screw that into the one by four purlins so that is the roof system and here it is pretty much on side shot you can see the thermal wrap coming on up all the way up the side of the trusses and then actually bumping right into and under the rigid insulation on the roof. Uh, and then we are skirting out mostly with plastic, but over top of the cisterns, we are skirting uh, with EPDM. Uh, we, get a, we have a little drip edge under the roofing and then we have a gutter that gets put on the, the fascia here. And I think that is basically uh, okay, we got a question here. We, and that is basically how far we got uh, with that four-week academy. And then, of course, uh, very interrupted in the middle of it uh, as uh, we had to kind of reshuffle our whole company, as everybody did, and our whole lives. Uh, so this was the last day. We had to, I had to par down the amount of people on site. I was, I was only allowing 10 or 12 people to be on site, trying to keep everybody spread out. You know, here's sort of our parking shot 
everybody is is spread out <laughs> with their six feet of uh, distance. And uh, so we had to rotate in groups, you know, and even get people on other sites. And uh, it was difficult for everybody. And thanks for everybody's patience. And we did still succeed in getting a building enclosed, uh, even with uh, the interruption of COVID and then figuring out how we're going to deal with this as the months uh, wear on. Okay, I have a question here. A couple questions. I love, I love these questions. Thank you. From Jane, have you found any problem with damp areas developing in rainy climates? Well, you know, you know, this building we're looking at right here, I mean, it, it's great. It's great for, it doesn't matter how rainy the, the climate. Um, uh, but yes, there's, there's, there's different things we do in different climates. Um, you know, for example, um, a roof cavity in a, in a real damp area, we may not do a truss roof system. We may do a roof system that doesn't have a roof cavity. Uh, that's what we've done in Puerto Rico. Uh, we also treat like the floor differently um, because of damp that could rise up into the building. So we put down a moisture barrier underneath the floor. We may even have drainage uh, under the whole building, gravel, perforated pipe, we had to do that in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a very damp area. So we've built in every climate and, and we have little things we, we adjust depending on, um, on the climate. Great question, Jane, thank you. Uh, Jason, who do I talk to so you can build for me? Uh, well, you could talk to me, Jason, <laughs> or contact our offices, but I mean, if you just email me, I can get the ball rolling for you. I'd love to build for you. Um, okay, April, May, June, so yeah, this was uh, this was a time where we basically kind of shut down our visitor center, um, sort of canceled academies and internships, and pretty just pretty much just focused on with our with our core crew here in Taos on finishing up E two, uh, which it actually sold while we were building it. So we had a deadline, even though we usually don't do deadlines. Um, <laughs> we did have a deadline of July first. So we did manage to get this one done in four months, March, April, uh, May, and June, which, uh, you know, out of town, we crank these things out in, in a month or two, but uh, in Taos, we, we seem to have <laughs> trouble doing that, but we did hit a four month deadline on this. So here we are back inside. These are the uh, simple kitchen cabinet boxes. So this is the kitchen um, getting roughed in where you have a range here in the middle and uh, the refrigerators here. And so this is in the, in the, in the central space. And so what we've got in floor plan is we have this big central space that has kitchen, living, dining. And then on either side of it, we have two bedrooms uh, and one bedroom holds all the mechanical systems. Here is uh, the one bedroom on the east side uh, with closet being framed in, Adobe's drying, can walls up, dividing it from the, the great room uh, west of it. Uh, looking outside, here we are getting the exterior pretty much wrapped up. You can see every, everything is capped, glasses in, doors are on. We have a seamless gutter catching water, no roof penetrations. We have uh, these wing walls of tires plastered out and they are ready with Trex plating top and bottom to accept the PV panels, which were three on each side, uh, incorporating those you know, into the shape of the building, which we like to do. Uh, this is the 
the uh, shower room. And in this one, we did combine the toilet and shower room all into one. Um, so here we are, it's kind of a weird shot, but here we are looking, that's the shower pan. And we have to line it with this red stuff to meet code. And then in this one, we actually have a drain coming through, which is taped over. We fill this with gravel and we put a little circular concrete um, shape in there. And then that's what you stand on to shower. Uh, here we are throwing in the slabs. So this is the other bedroom and you can see it has a closet over here that holds the power, the POM as we call it, power organizing module and the batteries and everything are in that closet. And then in this, this larger closet holds the WOM, the water organizing module, uh, washer, stacked washer, dryer, uh, pressure tank, and all the water systems pouring concrete slabs, uh, much like I showed you on that January project. Uh, and there they are, although these, these we, uh, we stained with, uh, with, with ferrosulfate and, and instead of the copper sulfate, iron sulfate. So that's how we're getting these rust brown tones. You can see the walls are scratched out all the way, almost ready for the very final shape and, and finish. Closet's basically done, still needs a shelf and rod. Um, and here we are putting the last slab in that room. So that room is very close and ready for the finish Adobe. Um, yes, Jane. Um, you send me a budget and then we can talk about options. Um, and we've built in the UK, if that's where you are. Um, uh, we built um, in the Southern, uh, in Brighton. We did a build in Brighton a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we can totally help you out. Just let us know what you want. Jason, slabs, concrete under windows. How does that compare to conventional building using concrete? Um, yeah. So good question, Jason, asking about the, the amount of concrete used. So, you know, what, what we have here is basically, you know, we're, we, don't, we don't have any structural concrete in this encounter model, which in the global model, we certainly did. But in early, early models, you know, decades back, we did not have any structural concrete. I think what, what you don't see in a conventional building is all that concrete that's underground. You know, if you're talking about a frame construction, um, that just depends on your frost line and everything. But there's yards and yards and yards of concrete in the foundation of a conventional frame building. Uh, of course, you know, our buildings use thermal mats. Um, so a frame building isn't going to perform uh, heating and cooling itself without mechanical um, systems to do that. So, you know, thermal mass we incorporate in our buildings, which concrete is good thermal mass. Um, that's one reason you're seeing it in the floors here. But also the tires for us are the thermal mass Know, the vast amount of thermal mass in our buildings um, um, taking the place of some other type of masonry, you know, which potentially could be concrete. So, so the encounter model is, is very low on the concrete use, even compared to a conventional frame house. And, uh, and let's not forget that these buildings also heat and cool themselves and, and catch their own water, create their own electricity. There's a shout of you, Deb. Uh, staining our slabs here at E2, uh, working kind of frantically to get them all finished up. That's what they look like before we clean them off. Um, and then we get this, this uh, modeled uh, textured shape by laying some plastic on it and wrinkling it intentionally. Um, so there was, there's what the final look is in that room. And this is the living room or, you know, the great room, living kitchen dining. And uh, so this thing is about ready for 
finish mud. Now, you, you know, if you really didn't want to use concrete, also, Jason just wanted to touch again, you, know, you don't have to use concrete slabs. I mean, you could use clay brick, you could do adobe even. So there's lots of non-concrete, non-cement based options uh, for finishes. Um, like this right here. Here we have flagstone. This is laid in sand with, uh, with no grout joints, um, meaning we don't leave spaces for grout. So it's just laid tight together in sand. So that's a flooring example without concrete. And this is the outer greenhouse. And so we're getting real close to finish here. There's our wood ceiling, bottom walls all grouted, ready to go. This is the big gray water planter. And you actually walk right through the planter into the building. The stones are laid over the planter. Uh, and then we have our flagstone laid in sand. And we put a little concrete curb um, to basically just keep the dirt off of the floor. And there's the stone all cleaned up. Uh, homemade doors everywhere. Uh, we used a stain on the wood in this one that is, uh, that is a combination of vinegar, well, steel wool soaked in vinegar. So that's sort of an iron acetate solution. And then we mix that with a brewed coffee, actually. <laughs> mix the two together. Smells very strange, but uh, it's just an easy, affordable way to give us this kind of grayed wood, dark look. And so we treated a lot of the wood, all the dark wood you're seeing in that door and everything is treated with that vinegar, that uh, ferrous acetate solution combined with coffee, actually. And that is an um, easy way to stain all the wood. Here's how the kitchen turned out. Um, not bad, I guess. <laughs> uh, black, we, we put a wash of uh, white, whitewashed all, all the cabinets. Uh, except for these highlighted ones, and we did with that with that, uh, with that stain I mentioned, black tile, white grout, couple couple little copper uh, highlights, sink of course there, trash can goes under there. Here's where the range is, um, and we did we did the finished adobe walls. We actually then did a clay uh, a clay paint, and we call a lease. Uh, we did clay paint on those walls to brighten the space more, and the client wanted it to be bright. So that is pretty much how E2 turned out. There's the bathroom, little corner cabinet, um, white cement in the bathroom, as well as antique white grout over the bottle work. Uh, uh, an artistic shot there. <laughs> okay, there's the exterior, almost done. And here it is done. Uh, here you can see the panel, the PV panels mounted uh, in their spot on the tire wing walls. This is also the first house that we incorporated an evacuated tube uh, water heater. So these are, these are vacuum tubes and within those tubes are copper rods that get really, really hot. They come up into a body of water in this insulated tank, heat that water, and then that's what you use for your domestic hot water. So we haven't played around with that. We've been doing a glycol heat exchange system lately. So we decided to try this evacuated tube water heating system. Okay, we got to keep moving. Uh, we're only six months in here. Okay, July, uh, July 2020. Well, uh, we decided to uh, reopen our academy in July with a very limited amount of spaces available and a very small amount of people on site uh, due to uh, COVID restrictions. And New Mexico has had a lot of good, I feel, 
and very, very fairly strict regulations. Now, why are we allowed to still working? Well, we're, we're considered uh, and essential workers, construction was, which we were very lucky to be considered essential where uh, everything else in the state is basically closed um, and uh, more or less still is. Um, these are our cooling tubes. These are 16 inch um, galvanized culverts, what you would use under a road. So you can see they're going in on, on the third course here. That's where they're going to be placed. Of course, they'll be going out into the berm, not sticking into the room. They're just staged here. Thermal wrap is coming up. And we basically pounded tires for that whole month. And another video that I guess I just don't know how to load videos into my, <laughs> my slideshows. Anyway, here's the Vaco uh, burying the thermal wrap. Uh, we're also building uh, trusses on site again. Here's Benjamin building some trusses. And you can see back here pounding, pretty much just pounded tires that whole month, a lot of us. <laughs> so it was good, uh, good active physical month. Okay, August. Boy, we were all over the place in August. Um, we had a field study up in Colorado, uh, north of Salida, up in the mountains at a very high altitude for the Schachter family. Um, very amazing site. I'll show you shots. We also had Lauren's field study here at the Greater World. Lauren, the director of our academy. Uh, I get, I get you this, your next question, Jason. Um, let me go ahead and do that, Jason, since we're here. Jason's asking about, does the water freeze in this, in this heater? Well, no, because see, there's no water in the evacuated tubes, it's a copper rod. And then that goes up into the body of water that's right here. And then this, uh, this shape right here is heavily insulated. As is, see that going out, that's also insulated. So. You know, in our climate, we get, you know, we get minus 30 even at the very worst Fahrenheit uh, here in Taos. And, you know, they, they told us that as long as we insulated properly, uh, that, that it would be good down to minus 30. Um, great question, Jason, though. I, that's the same exact question I asked when I first saw this unit. Uh, all right. So uh, Lauren's field study, Lauren, Academy Director, uh, bought a lot in is a reclaimed gravel pit here in the community. So we had a four week field study there that Rory ran. Um, and then we had Gunner up in Colorado running the Schachter build. It was also a four week uh, field study. And then I didn't go to either one of them because I had to go back to uh, Puerto Rico for the last two weeks of August uh, for phase seven in Puerto Rico. Uh, so here we are up at the Schachter build. Uh, they are gathering up their tires. Uh, it's an amazing site at oh, somewhere between 10 and 11,000 feet or maybe 11,000 plus, uh, way up in the mountains. Very challenging site, very steep site, very difficult to get to. So uh, all of this added to the challenge, reminded us all a lot of building back decades ago at Reach. Uh, I mean, the road to this thing was just Insane. I remember we did, I went up there on a recon at least. I wasn't there for the whole build, but I, when I got to the road, I was just like, are you kidding me? This is a road. I mean, it's just like boulders, you know, it's like, it's like a rock climbing, bouldering up with your truck, a good way to trash your truck. Uh, but they have plentiful timber on site. And so they actually uh, milled a lot of their own lumber. They have their own mill on site. Super cool. 
And there you can get a sense in this montage of you know the altitude and the steepness uh, and just how tight the site was. And we were literally perched on the side of a mountain trying to eke in what is a wood roof, simple survival with a north sloping roof. So this is not an encounter. This model's a wood roof, simple survival that we've been playing with for quite a while. And uh, so tire work took a, took a bit of time, probably spent two of the four weeks just trying to get the tire work in, trying to get dirt, trying to source dirt, trying to get it to the site, you know, with, with equipment, uh, just very, very tight and uh, tricky site, but the crew totally made it happen. And in four weeks, got a metal roof on this thing and got it enclosed, which is basically a heroic feat. There's the inner, inner greenhouse uh, and then beams that they milled on site. I think they're uh, four by 10 beams going on on two foot centers and then rafters going from those to the outer greenhouse. So uh, this is a, another different model. Um, uh, so that is all the shots I have of the Schachter build, but a really cool build. What an amazing crew up there, volunteers and our core crew. Uh, you made it happen. <laughs> Good work. All right, this is Lauren's build. Rory ran this one. Uh, tires going in. They had, a, they had a big, pretty big crew, probably 30 to 40, 35 or so. Uh, volunteers again doing their four-week field study. A lot of academy students participating in this. So you can see here her cooling tubes going in, thermal wrap coming out. This is an encounter model, so it's more kind of more of the same here. Uh, inner greenhouse, outer greenhouse, right? Uh, uh, they did these cute little flower pots at the at the entries that I guess uh, Lauren or one of the one of the crafty volunteers. Uh, created. So the metal roof on, they got this thing roofed and uh, glass ready to go in uh, in the four weeks. So nice work on that. Um, um, here are the tanks set on the east and west side, right? That's our typical 1700 gallon tank thermal wrap coming up between it and the building three feet or so away from the tires. Uh, there's the outlet from the tank going into the WAM and then the water will come in uh, right here to those risers. Um, interior, you know, coming together, lots of Adobe pack out. There's the cooling tube popping through, can work. Well, we, we do have buttresses in the encounter, two or three. Um, that's still just to get us uh, through, uh, you know, getting these things stamped and approved, uh, but we don't have the concrete bomb beam as you can clearly see, but we still have the buttresses on these long battered straight tire walls, you know, Probably not necessary, but um, helping us get a permit. So there it is. Here's how it was left after the four weeks. Great work. Uh, windows ready to be installed, doors hung. Uh, this thing is enclosed, catching water, staying warm, you know, doing its earthship thing uh, for Lauren. So, uh, and she's still working on it now slowly. And I think she's planning on actually probably moving into an unfinished building in the next couple months. So uh, nice work, everybody, on that. Um, we also went to, <laughs> sorry about that. We also then, in the middle of that month, went back for phase seven to Puerto Rico uh, admits uh, the pandemic. So here's a shot of the, the code I had to get 
to enter Puerto Rico, you had to get a COVID test within 72 hours, nasal swab only. Um, then you, it's pr pretty, pretty good how they have this set up. Um, then you go onto a website, which you know is the is the Department of Health for Puerto Rico. And then you know once you have your results, you upload them into the website, and then they give you this Q code that you have on your phone, and then you show it um, to the I guess they're a National Guard. You show it to the National Guard as you get in, and then they let you go ahead and enter Puerto Rico. Um, so back really focusing on finishes this time and more of the concrete pavers. Um, so Mike had done his example up here and Mike didn't go on this one. So then we had a team with Derek uh, heading it up to go ahead and do pavers down through uh, the rest of the compound. Um, and here we have uh, the, the Taino symbol of uh, the sun. So we are working in some um, local native uh, symbolism into the building as per client request. And uh, they got turned out pretty cool. Nice work, Derek and team. Uh, still messing around with uh, this aqueduct, adding can work to that, but really focusing in on, on interior finishes and aesthetics, you know, uh, also building a bridge in between hut three and four. So here we are launching it with some bent rebar and then I had a bunch of videos loaded to kind of tour you through, but um, but I didn't load them right. Uh, here is the how this ended up with some bottle work, and we we basically have bottle brick work going all the way around the compound to kind of tie all the parapets of the roofs um, together. This is how the bridge finished up. Um, with cans and bottles. And so this is basically just an arch um, that then brings you from the roof, which these roofs are, you know, you can occupy them and hang out up there. Um, so getting you from one roof uh, to the other with this bridge and also kind of enclosing and framing in the lower end of the whole compound. Here it is from below. Um, and there you can see how it's structured up with rebar and lath and cans and bottles. Uh, this is that planter that Lou did just six months earlier. And look how much we already have all kinds of banana trees and everything growing out of them. Um, and this is basically how we left it. And these interior rooms are more or less plastered out. Floors are done. They, you know, they all have lighting, electrical, cooling tubes are all in. So this place is so close. And we're going back for another hit in February, which is full. Uh, fortunately um, uh, for us, but unfortunately for anybody who, who was thinking about coming, but we got more projects in Puerto Rico um, that you can get involved in if you'd like. Uh, there's the, the, the finished cooling tower with this convection cooling dark metal made out of automobile parts, salvaged automobile parts welded and riveted together. This thing heats up and just contributes to the convection cooling uh, method of these buildings. All right, September and October, uh, back in Taos and back at E3. And here's our electrician Nell slipping me off, uh, but that's where we were getting all the mechanical stuff in. So roughing in plumbing, focusing on the gray water planner, uh, getting all the electrical roughed in, uh, a couple shots of the planner. 
you can see how big these planters are in the encounter. It's like six feet wide, lined with EPDM. Uh, this is the low end with a standpipe, two standpipes, where we will put in the submersible pump that feeds the toilet flushing and also the submersible pump that recirculates the gray water to keep it moving and keep it getting cleaned up. Uh, we put those in a big rock bulbs, we call them, at the outlet end and at the inlet end, you can't see, but also where the water comes in as a rock bulb. And then we do a channel of big rocks down the middle just to, uh, just to help the water flow from one end to the other. And this whole thing is sloped about a quarter inch a foot um, from end to end. Um, and um, yes, Jane, um, uh, oh, okay. Uh, I think we've got you some, some links there, Jane, looking for people in the UK. But yeah, I was just talking to some people this morning who are supposed to be coming on upcoming projects with us. So we do have, a, have a, some part of our crew that is in the UK. Um, uh, here's where the water comes in. Behind this bottle wall that Galen built uh, is the bathroom. And then here is where the water comes in to the gray water planter. This is where it is coming in. So that is actually a grease and particle filler that you can lift up and, uh, and out. And then here is where the water level would overflow if it ever gets that full going out uh, and meeting up uh, with the septic. Here is our seamless gutter that we actually have a local contractor come and make because he's got this crazy machine that makes this thing. And so we like it because it has no seams. It'll never drip or leak or anything. So that's what we have on the south side. Jason, how deep is that planter? Let's go back to it. Uh, that planter, typically we go that quarter inch of foot and we start over here about 30 inches below finished floor. And then depending on the length of the planter, I think down here we ended up, you know, like three and a half feet below finished floor. So that, that's pretty typical starting at about 30, going to three and a half or four feet at the deep end. Thanks for the question, Jason. Uh, a little bit of roof detailing that we didn't finish before that we're wrapping up. You know, we make all this metal on site, bend it out of rolls of metal. Uh, this is just a little bit of uh, ridge cap going on on the north end of that. Um, all right, November, and I know it's 10 o'clock, so I'm gonna go a little bit longer here. Uh, <laughs> if anybody cares to hang through this. <laughs> uh, November coming back uh, or, or finishing up E3 on the exterior because it's starting to get cold. So definitely getting all our mullion caps on. There's our seamless gutter, getting the transoms built, hanging the doors, you know, getting this ins insulated stem wall finished and plastered, focusing on getting that exterior done, especially all the plaster before we get freezing temperatures. Uh, we had an awesome academy that month. Here they are all masked up and making uh, bottle bricks. Uh, great, great shot of Luna here. Uh, look forward to seeing you in Puerto Rico. Uh, here we are. Lou is setting our plastic uh, septic tank. So this is two, you know, two compartment septic tank. There's backhoe Joe plopping it in the ground with volunteer with uh, our neighbor Steve, who also attended the academy. Very cool. Uh, throwing up a one by twelve ceiling. Uh, with the uh, framing gun, actually using three inch framing nails to uh, connect the ceiling over the vapor barrier into the trusses, which we will then fill that cavity with blown 
cellulose insulation kitchen going in that looks pretty familiar from E2 uh, with site built boxes and, uh, and can work going on behind it. Same deal, flagstone being laid in the sand with very tight, small grout joints. And here's our planter all filled with dirt and ready to be planted. Um, also in November, in the beginning, I went uh, with Deborah to scope out our uh, upcoming project, which we're launching in January, which has been in the works for two years actually, but between uh, uh, basically revolution happening in, in Haiti uh, and then followed by a pandemic. Uh, it's been tricky for us to uh, get there, but we've decided we are going to go for it. Uh, we are going to bring um, 15 to 20 volunteers. Um, all will be uh, tested within 72 hours of arrival. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll follow all our COVID protocol on site. Uh, but we are going to build on Lagunav Island, which is not on the mainland of Haiti, but an island out, about, I don't know, 10 or 15 miles out in the water from Port-au-Prince. And we are going to build the first uh, or shift school in Haiti. And this is for, uh, it's, uh, it's for a school that's already been there for eight, eight years and that a woman named Kelly founded. And uh, it's a very successful uh, primary school with 100% graduation rate. And so this is actually Moeen, um, another person on our team, amazing graphic artist here has, has actually placed the building on the site. This is the actual site, actual gate <laughs> to the school property. And so they've never really had enclosed classrooms. So what we're gonna go do is, is is launch a building, which we'll go back to many, many phases like Puerto Rico, and eventually we'll have uh, six classrooms. And uh, we're gonna try to get at least one done and launch uh, a few other ones uh, for the month of January. And there is still space on this build. If anybody wants to join, uh, you can, uh, well, just email me, philadership.com, or you can go to our nonprofit website, uh, biotexturplanetearth.org. Um, and I think we already got, yeah, we got the Haiti Project uh, page up there. Thank you, Jonah, in the, in the group chat. Um, and so here is the site from the air. You fly in on this little tiny airplane, and there's the town, Lagunov. 40,000 or 50,000 people live here, and there's the school. So the site is actually pretty spectacular right on the water. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, Haiti has earthquakes as hurricanes. So this is again, that hut design, like we're trying, we're perfecting in Puerto Rico. We're bringing that to Haiti, everything we've learned and doing the very, very best version of it uh, for this Haiti school. Um, there's, this is another, just a shot of the, of the existing buildings that are on campus. Um, and this is how, we're, how we will all be living. That's my tent there, not so bad, uh, right there on the water, take a swim in the morning and then go pound tires. Um, it's going to be, I think I can handle that for four weeks, uh, working with a lot of locals too. Um, these are mainly some of the young guys that are, you know, uh, maybe have attended school there right from the neighborhood. So, uh, uh, and, and Kaba here is, is sort of the caretaker, uh, of the school grounds. And so loading up gravel, we were only there for two days. So we did get to lay out the building. We already had a thousand tires on site from a year earlier when we were supposed to be there and had to cancel. Um, 
So loading up gravel and bringing it back to site and then uh, starting to pound tires. So we actually did get the building laid out and got a course of tires in. And so we were just ready to roll on this thing in January. Uh, but this was, yeah, beginning of November. We did this recon mission. <clears throat> and there's a nice shot that Mo did for us from there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so you can see we have four classrooms in this picture. We're gonna add another two eventually. Uh, here's the cisterns catching water. You can see it looks a lot like Puerto Rico. And then these are two cylinders of bottles that will be a boys and girls bathroom. So that is um, and Cynthia, oh wow. So no topsoil, use gravel. That's a good question. Well, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna import. I think you're asking about the tire pounding. We're gonna, imp, we have to import all the material for the tire pounding as this is from the ground up. We're certainly not gonna dig in here. You know, we're right on the water. Um, but the reason we're using gravel for the first two courses is to keep water from ever being able to wick up into the tire work. Um, or even if it flooded or whatever, um, you know, during a hurricane, you know, we use that because gravel will drain. So the bottom two courses of, of tires will be out of gravel and then we'll pound with um, dirt. It's, it's kind of dirt. It's really like crushed sandstone is what it is, which is also good, not clay um, that we'll be bringing in uh, to the site. But good question and uh, keen eye on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, so that brings us up to December this month. And here we were earlier, we had a couple warm days earlier in the month trying to get our finished plaster all done outside, which we almost got done. Also staining the wood uh, darker color to help protect it and blend it in with the dark roofing. Um, and we are do the stain out here is the ferrosulfate solution. Here's Jimbo applying it. Uh, there's a little frame for our our hot water heater that's going in here. Um, and so, but starting to get cold and yes, now we're getting our zero degree Fahrenheit nights here in Taos. So this is basically where we're at right now, today on the site. Um, not focusing too much outside because of the temperatures and trying to get the interior wrapped up. Oh, here we are happily trialing slabs, <laughs> which, uh, which you can see behind the kitchen has progressed a bit. All the doors, Ray is building all the doors. So they're all in progress. And we actually have this thing uh, pretty close by the end of the month. Um, we will be, here's another one of our crazy looking slabs. By the end of the month, I think we'll, we'll leave this thing with just some finished Adobe to be done. Um, and Yada from uh, who we met in Puerto Rico came and helped us for a couple months. And she's putting some finishing touches on some bottle work. Um, but this place is, is basically wrapping up this month with probably ongoing in January. Uh, also, this month we've launched with Gunner at the home, we've launched uh, E4. So right up the street, right up the hill from E3. You can see E2 there in the background. So this one's going to be a little bit bigger. Bedrooms a little bit bigger. The, the great room a little bit bigger. So we're just sizing it up. We're gonna bump up the solar electric system too. So a bit more of a deluxe encounter version is going in uh, just up the road here at the greater world. And there's Gunner getting the first course of tires in. Um, uh, cisterns are ready to get placed. So that job 
will just be ongoing throughout the winter, but we'll probably pull that crew in January to finish up E3 because we'll be launching the project uh, in Haiti. And we do still have a few spots left if anybody last minute wants to jump in um, on the Haiti build, uh, just email me. Uh, all right, well, that is about it. Were there any questions on 20, any more questions on what we did in 2020? And, uh, but if not, um, just sort of to clue everybody in to what we're looking forward to. Uh, here's sort of our schedule in January in Haiti. We do have a few spots left. We'll be there for all the four weeks and back in Taos for a couple weeks until Puerto Rico phase eight, which is full. So no, we can't add anybody to that. Uh, we also have a field study here in Taos, which I think they still have some spots left, but it's, it's pretty full, I've heard. I think we got 30 people though, um, where we are going to launch a, a new design uh, called the Unity. So this is, uh, we're already moving away from the encounter into uh, the Unity design, uh, which is kind of pulling everything we've learned over the decades and even goes back to the old U-module shape, uh, but with a vertical greenhouse and a north sloping roof with no roof penetration. So stay tuned for that. I think Mike's maybe gonna do a webinar just on the Unity. So we'll get, we'll get that all out to everybody. Um, uh, okay, thank you, Evelyn. Appreciate it. Um, Cynthia, crazy question. Yes, uh, yes, you can do radiant heating. I mean, we usually don't because it's not needed. Um, I do have a building that I've put it into because it just doesn't have a great Southern exposure. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can do radiant floor. It's pretty conventional and you can heat it with solar heated glycol is how I've done it. Um, so, you know, in a climate where you have a lot of clouds or a lot of cold and you, you need a little extra backup, it, it'd be a perfect, uh, uh, a perfect thing to pair with your ship. So yes, it is a thing. And, and thank you, Cynthia, for all the questions. Um, all right, so what else we got? We got Taos Academies, you know, barring anything crazy, this is our academy schedule for next year. Um, our, that's our kind of our typical schedule. And then I'm sure somewhere in here in August, we'll probably throw in a, a field study. We got a couple of them. Um, on the radar. And of course, there's always the online academy, which especially right now is a great way. Um, it's pretty affordable and a great way to do your academy, uh, you know, while, uh, while uh, not being able to do too much else. Uh, and then in May, we're launching another school um, in Puerto Rico. This is in, um, in uh, Alto Trujillo which is about 20 minutes outside of the city of San Juan. And then this thing is definitely filling up. I think we have 34 people or so signed up for it, but we'll take even more than that. And so that's doing us in a school, gonna be based on the, uh, the Puerto Rico design. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Haiti school. It'll be, it's, it's the same, same exact design. Um, and this is, a, is actually a Waldorf inspired school uh, with a woman who is, is, runs the school. She came to one of our phases in Puerto Rico. So CC um, is her name and we'll be building there outside of San Juan. So that's what we're looking forward to next year. And uh, well, thank you all 
for checking it out. And I appreciate all the questions and don't hesitate to email me about anything else you might have questions about that you saw today or anything you might want to get involved in. Um, all right. Well, until next time, everybody stay safe out there. And uh, much love from Urshia Biotexture here in Taos. Thank you.